the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network presents Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Each week, Joan brings you news from inside the Vatican and the church around the world, as well as interviews and answers to your questions. Now, here's the host of Vatican Insider, Joan Lewis. Welcome to Vatican Insider on this first weekend of November, the first one in a month that has not been about the Synod on Synodality. I'll look at the closing mass of that synod in a moment, but first a word about my guest in the interview segment, Father Robert Sirico, co-founder and president emeritus of the Acton Institute for the Study of Religion and Liberty. Now, Father Sirico is a prolific author, sought-after speaker, and a good friend. And this week, in part two of our conversation, we talk about the late Cardinal George Pell and the Synod on Synodality as presented in Father's just-released book, Pell Contra Mundum. Now, Contra Mundum is an expression that describes a person with a steadfast commitment to one's values and the courage to go against prevailing norms or majority consensus. It's an eye-opening conversation, so stay tuned right after the news. Now, some news highlights. Sunday, October 29th. Huge sighs of relief were audible around Vatican City as the first part of the Synod on Synodality ended a grueling four weeks of work with Mass in St. Peter's Basilica on Sunday. Late Saturday night, the Synod had released its interim synthesis report with the key proposals discussed during the October Assembly. In his homily at the closing Mass, the Pope recalled how the Synod participants experienced the loving presence of the Lord and discovered the beauty of fraternity. By listening to each other and learning from the rich variety of backgrounds and concerns, Francis said, we have listened to the Holy Spirit, and with farsightedness, we can look to the horizon opening up and fruits of this experience. The Lord will guide us and help us to be a more synodal and missionary church, a church that adores God and serves the women and men of our time, going forth to bring to everyone the consoling joy of the gospel. Later, after praying the Angelus, Pope Francis prayed for an end to the violence in the Holy Land, especially in Gaza, where a humanitarian catastrophe has unfolded, as well as for the release of Israeli hostages held by Hamas. He also asked for a ceasefire. Stop, brothers and sisters, stop. War is always a defeat, always, always. He also assured the people of Mexico of his closeness in prayers as they deal with the devastating consequences of Hurricane Otis. Monday, October 30th, Pope Francis welcomed a group of Italian women who have decided to move away from their families involved in organized crime and to join the Libera Network Against the Mafia. They were accompanied by Father Luigi Ciotti, an Italian priest who founded the association in 1995. Libera promotes the use of land and assets seized from criminal outfits to set up local cooperatives, anti-drug projects, and community centers, as well as seeking to provide employment for those sidelined by organized crime. The Pope encouraged the women to persevere without fear, knowing the Lord Jesus walks at their side. You are not alone, he said. Tuesday, October 31st, Pope Francis released his prayer intention for the month of October, asking the faithful to pray for the Pope, to pray the Lord will bless him. 
The fact that someone is Pope doesn't mean they lose their humanity. On the contrary, my humanity grows each day with God's holy and faithful people. Being Pope is also a process, he said. The person becomes aware of what it means to be a pastor. And in this process, he learns to be more charitable, more merciful, and above all, more patient, like God our Father who is so patient. Pray for the Pope so that in the exercise of his mission, he may continue to accompany in the faith the flock entrusted to him by Jesus, always with the help of the Holy Spirit. Wednesday, November 1st, the Solemnity of All Saints. At the Angelus, Pope Francis greeted pilgrims and visitors in St. Peter's Square. On this All Saints Day, we remember our call to holiness, explaining how it is a gift from God that we embrace and a journey we embark upon together, with the saints accompanying us always along the way. The Holy Father explained how the gift of holiness has come with our baptism, and we need to nurture it so it can grow and transform our lives. The saints started out like us, the Pope pointed out, receiving the same gift we have received, and they are our friends who are very close to us, accompanying us on our journey. Also Wednesday, the Vatican released a new motu proprio, Ad Theologiam Promovendam, in which Pope Francis updates the statutes of the Pontifical Academy of Theology, calling it a courageous cultural revolution and commitment to dialogue in the light of revelation. This is his 68th motu proprio. Those are words that mean by one's own initiative. Established canonically by Clement XI on April 23, 1718, with the brief inscrutabili, the Academy aimed to place theology at the service of the Church and the world. It has evolved over the years into a group of scholars called to investigate and deepen theological themes of particular relevance. For the Holy Father, it's now time to revise the norms that regulate its activities to make them more suited to the mission that our times impose on theology. Opening up the world to humanity with its problems, its wounds, its challenges, its potential, theological reflection must make room for an epistemological and methodological rethinking and is therefore called to a courageous cultural revolution. Thursday, November 2nd, the Feast of All Souls. Pope Francis celebrated Mass at Rome's War Cemetery. In his homily, delivered off the cuff without the aid of notes, the Pope remembered those who have gone before us, particularly those whose lives have been cut short by war. So many tears in these lives cut short, he said. All Souls Day brings to mind the people who went before us, both those who did good and those who did not do much good, but were received in God's mercy. At the same time, he suggested the commemoration brings to mind hope, which is memory looking forward. Also Thursday, two facilities offering showers and washing machines to the homeless and economically disadvantaged opened in Turin, Italy. Inspired by the Pope and his tireless advocacy for those who suffer misery in all its forms, they were named Pope Francis Laundromats. Their inauguration was preceded by a mass presided over by papal almoner, Cardinal Conrad Krajewski, attended by about 200 people, mostly homeless. Friday, November 3rd. As is customary at this time of year, Pope Francis presided at mass in St. Peter's Basilica at the altar of the chair 
for the repose of the souls of the late Supreme Pontiff Pope Benedict XVI and for the six cardinals and 147 bishops who died in the last year. Also Friday, this from the Holy See Press Office. Accepting the invitation of His Highness Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed Al Nayan, President of the United Arab Emirates, His Holiness Pope Francis will make the previously announced trip to Dubai from December 1st to the 3rd, 2023, on the occasion of the upcoming Conference of the Parties to the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, known as COP COP28. Those are the news highlights, but stay here for my conversation with Father Robert Sirico about his book, Pell Contra Mundum, Pell being the late Australian Cardinal George Pell. EWTN, teaching the truth. Thank you so much for all that you do. And to Mother Angelica and her words, will never forget the first shows on television when I found her, and that led me to the radio station. I'm an eight-year homeschooling mom. I'm a veteran of doing this for a long time. What encouraged me was this beautiful nun named Mother Angelica, and one day she said, well, if you don't like the school, why don't you just pull them out and homeschool them? The EWTN home video highlight for November is Dying Without Fear. When a young professional woman's dreams are suddenly shattered, she learns how the power of God's love and mercy can overcome any fear, even the fear of dying. Order your DVD at EWTNRC.com, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, or call 1-800-854-6316. This is a Pro-Life Minute with doctors Stephen and Gracie Christie. Steve, as a doctor, this argument really burns me up. Abortion is simply a normal part of women's health care and a critical element of women's reproductive health. What's your answer to that? Right. I simply ask, when did lethally injecting a living unborn child or tearing it limb from limb and suctioning it from his mother's womb somehow become health care? We all know exactly what healthcare is. It's treating the diabetic, it's setting the broken bone, performing open heart surgery. Killing a living unborn child has absolutely nothing to do with healthcare. You know, really, if your healthcare kills people on purpose, then you're clearly doing it wrong. And keep in mind that 95% of all abortions are performed on healthy babies of healthy moms. Abortion is not healthcare. For more on the culture of life, go to EWTN.com slash pro-life. Welcome back to Vatican Insider. Here's Joan Lewis. Welcome back to part two of my conversation with Father Robert Sirico about the late Cardinal Pell and the Synod on Synodality as presented in his just-released book, Pell Contra Mundum. Contramundum is used as an expression to describe someone who stands firm in their beliefs or principles, even when faced with opposition from the entire world. A person with a steadfast commitment to one's values and the courage to go against the prevailing norms or majority consensus. You will be riveted by this week's conversation, just as you were last week. The current synod, we mentioned the cardinal being a big... Uh, force in reform. The current synod on synodality, which we have 500 definitions of, is supposed to be about some kind of reform in the church. And you wrote, 
The current open-ended synod process reveals that such an attentiveness to roots and safeguards, Cardinal Pell, roots of faith, um, is not in place, nor are they even under consideration. Right. And we sure have been hearing that. Yeah. What strikes me in kind of hearing these quotes from Cardinal Pell, and when I was on uh, uh, World Over the other night, uh, Raymond Arroyo showed Pell talking about these things, is how prescient he was. He could have said that all this afternoon. I mean, he was so right on. He was so accurate about what would happen. And that's exactly what has happened. Now, of course, the Senate hasn't closed, but we see the trajectory. We see the people who are the key players and the organizers. And then at each table in this Senate, there's an expert appointed, but we don't know who they are. Uh, And it seems that it all... They can't give us the names, is what they've said in press conferences. It's It's amazing. Really? You know, why not? Why not? I don't know if you knew this, but the very first opening day of the Senate meetings, um, there's the coverage, all live, you know, streamed, etc., Vatican Television. And at the very end, um, the sister who was doing the commentary in English that it was minutes before the meeting ended that the regolamento came down, mm-hmm. 18 pages in Italian only, of the rules and regulations of the Senate, including a big section on, you know, no interaction with the press, etc. Right, right. But at the very end, so Sister remarked that we've gotten, she had nobody had time to read it, but we've gotten these rules. Um, but it's very interesting, folks, she said. Everybody's seated at a round table. You are not allowed to change seats with anyone at your table. So if you want to see the Pope better and want to change with, um, you know, so-and-so on your right, you can't do that. You may only use the tablet that the Synod has provided Mm. for you. You may not take it out of the room because it will cease to function. And you may not take pictures of, record, et cetera, et cetera, you know, any documents or, or speeches. I mean, that, when I heard those words, I thought, I, I chilling, wish I could do replay because I can't believe she just said that. It's it's chilling, and and uh, they had to back off some of that stuff because oh, yeah. they realized that it said everything. We have to control this thing because <laughs> what they want to ensure is that at the end of the day, it comes out very placid. I don't think you know. I think the the key troubling factor of the Senate isn't this or that hot button issue but whether or not they wish to change the very nature of the church. Yes. And that's the key thing, because if you can do that, you can change every other concrete thing. In fact, one of the bishops said, you were probably at the press conference when he said it, that uh, this Senate is not dealing with the concrete issues. What we're doing is laying down the foundation so that the next Senate, part two... October will, of 2024. Uh, 2024, that that will change the concrete issues, meaning these hot-button doctrinal issues. Oh, we've had several people come out in press conferences or speaking through the Senate itself who have said that. And this is, this is wonderful because kind of going into my, my next comment and question, Cardinal Pell, in the article published in The Spectator the day after his death, wrote on the Senate calling it a toxic nightmare. Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't know whether language. to laugh or cry when I read that. He termed the 45-page Instrumentum Laboris, the working document, one of the most incoherent documents that has ever been sent out from Rome. This from a man who valued clarity yes. in speaking and writing. Yes. 
And that's where we are. It took uh, great courage for him to say that. And remember, he said it thinking that he'd have to defend it. He didn't realize he was going to die before it was published. So it was. It represents a real honesty on his part and his preparedness to defend what he was saying. And that's why we wanted to get the book out sure. and to be available to help defend that position. I have to say I knew another George who would have been exactly like Pell, mm -hmm. and that's Cardinal Francis, Francis George, George, the late yes. Cardinal Francis George. Yes, he would have written or gotten up on the center floor, if invited, and, and said the very same thing. Yeah. Wait a minute, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. What, what direction are we, are, are we going in? Yeah. You know, And so calling the instrumentum laboris a potpourri, Cardinal Pell wrote, it's not a summary of Catholic faith nor New Testament teaching, it is incomplete. It's hostile in significant ways to the apostolic tradition and nowhere acknowledges the New Testament as the word of God, normative for all teaching on faith and morals. The Old Testament is ignored, patriarchy rejected, and the Mosaic law, including the Ten Commandments, is not acknowledged. So it really does sound not like a meeting on faith, but a meeting on meetings. A synod on synodality. This is exactly what it is. Yeah. It's a very subjective uh, wheel within a wheel, you know, just kind of spinning for its own sake. It's all process and not content. Uh, and when you have that, it leaves, every, it leaves everything open for grabs for the best organized sure. group of people who can co-opt the process. And I think that actually th those words of the cardinals, um, this is really the main thrust of many who worry about the outcome of the synod. Yeah. If you were to do a word search, you probably are going to find Christ just a few times, mm -hmm. whereas you might find same-sex blessings or something more times than we even want to think of. Well, also, if you look at the people who have been represented here, uh, that is, the the scheduled, selected speakers who give the spiritual reflections and then give right. the um, theological reflections, they are all of a, a philosophical, ideological, theological piece. Uh, they tow the same line, and all of those references. Oddly enough, what is not represented here is probably one of the most powerful uh, sources for vocations, at least in the United States, and that's FOCUS. Um, oh, what a wonderful organization. Yes. And uh, another group that's Wait, not represented... Uh, FOCUS is the Federation of Catholic University students. Yes, and how many vocations have come out of that experience of missionary work, basically, on the part of the exactly. young people. Another group that's not represented here for all the talk of the alienation of gay people in the church is Courage, the largest international a a institution dealing with people of same-sex attraction who have been living faithfully the church's teaching and who find great joy and peace right. and comfort. They are alienated from this group. Their, their voice is not heard at all in this group. And uh, what about the moms with who are raising uh, lots of kids? One of, one of the speakers at the press conference uh, said something to this effect, that, that she thought there was the emphasis on women's ordination was a distraction from what women yes. really want. And I believe she got great applause Yes, when she said that. So one of the things I think that I keep looking for every day, whether it be in writing or something I hear in a press conference, what we've read up to and at the beginning of the Synod was how people feel excluded. 
certain classes, those who are divorced yeah. and remarried or, or same-sex who, who want, want a blessing. I haven't heard how they feel excluded mm -hmm. in the sense of, have you ever gotten to a church and they literally closed the doors on you? Mm -hmm. Did you ever have a priest act or a bishop actually tell you you're not welcome? Or do mm -hmm. they feel unwelcome because the church is not approving their sinful yeah. behavior? You know, John, I think, I think we have to concede that in the past, the church has been insensitive in many ways to people who are in difficult circumstances, divorced and remarried people. That's a, that's a real burden. And yeah. sometimes those situations, I mean, I'm saying this as a pastor, sure. or people who, who are trying to live a chaste life and, and either have some kind of um, addiction or habit that's difficult to break or homosexual orientation, uh, we have not been kind. You know, there have been circumstances where people have been ostracized. We must love these people. We take the example of sure. Jesus who uh, prevented the woman who was caught in the act of adultery from being stoned. He defended her. He um, uh, comforted her. And then when he dismisses the, the group uh, of her accusers, he says, where are your accusers? Yeah. But then at the end, he says to her, these small little yeah. words that make the whole story mean something. Go and sin no more. Exactly. So my question is, when we've heard the pain and when we've protected the vulnerability and guarded the dignity of all of these kinds of people that we're talking about who are hurt, at what point and how do we say, go and sin no more? Right. That's not on the table. I haven't heard that at all. No, and that's kind of what led, my, led me to, to making that comment because I keep looking for that because the words exclusion and right. painful disregard or whatever have been so used in the lead-up to the Synod, and I'm kind of waiting, okay, wait a minute, you know, let's hear more about it, and it, you just said what has it, to be it, done. It's too simplistic a um, dialectic. You know, it, it reminds me of Hegel, in a way, uh, almost Marx. You know, there's kind of this class struggle. Uh, in this case, it's not economics. In this case, it's the church as the ruler, the hierarchy, yeah. male, white, even one of the uh, uh, inter interventors, uh, Father Radcliffe, joked, uh, uh, apologized for oh, being right. a white male. <laughs> you yeah. know. Uh, it's that image versus the excluded and the downtrodden proletariat. Right. Uh, you know, Mother Teresa said, we don't believe in class struggle, we believe in class encounter. We, we have to encounter people. Yeah. And the, the Synod, for all of its rhetoric about encountering has left a number of people really outside of this whole um, yes. experience. More or less one side of the coin is okay, yes. the other the right. other is not. Well, you know, Cardinal Pell also, also wrote uh, in that spec, uh, spectator piece, he said the synods, 23 and 2024, 20, have to choose whether they are servants and defenders of the apostolic tradition and right. faith and morals or whether their discernment compels them to assert their sovereignty over Catholic teaching. Yeah. And of course, discernment is the word that can be kind of difficult, meaning, yeah. you know, is it really the Holy Spirit that's helping me discern, yeah. or is it some other spirit or, or my own upbringing? Yeah. So just based on what he just said, and and here you are, been here for the first weeks of, of the Synod, what are, what are you seeing, what are you taking home with you? Well, I'm taking home um, a sense of frustration at the lack of openness, uh, the lack of clarity, 
on the part. I know that there are very good people inside that Senate exactly. Hall. Exactly. There's no, no question of that, people who want the good of the church. But I think the confusion, there's a great adept organizational process going on, and I'm afraid because of a lack of transparency related to that process and who's doing it and what their goals are, because you don't create a process without having an intentional no. goal. Uh, or a, a what, specific what are we end agenda, up with? a program. What are, what are we going to end up with at the end of the day? That's the question. Well, you know, as I was putting together these questions to ask you, having read that the marvelous English chapter of the book, Pell Contra Mundum, all I could think of was if Cardinal Pell had actually been <laughs> at, the, at, um, at the Senate, he would have said, you know, the times are out of joint. Yes. He would have said that. In, indeed they are. And as Jerome said, you know, he woke up to find all the world Aryan. Uh, we have woken up to find all the world woke. Oh, I know. Woke is a whole other yeah. word. But, you know, we're seeing the results of some of the wokeness in institutions these days just going, I, I look at institutions that, for example, are now donors are not giving to institutions mm -hmm. that have gotten away from their main curriculum, yes. especially yes. a Catholic institution mm -hmm. that have gotten away from their main curriculum. Mm -hmm. And I know of one or two universities that have been pushing the envelope on a certain number of things mm -hmm. and um, have lost many, many millions. Yes. Yes. Because there are people out there who are awake to the truth yeah. and want to say, wait a minute, watch out. And, and Father, you and I know, I as a writer, you as a priest, you as a person, you know, in, in the media, even when we do tell the truth and we prove it and we have official documents and statements, whatever, um, there's just going to be people who don't want to hear it. Right. So um, we can suffer in our own way by, you know, people criticizing us or for heaven's right. sakes, don't listen to him or her, but we know it's the truth. Yeah. And John Paul said 45 years ago, last week when he was elected, right. his, uh, in the motto of his every day of his entire pontificate was be not afraid. Be not afraid. So you and I and many of the Senate participants, we, we cannot be afraid of the truth. And that's the main thing we have to work to teach and promote. The truth sometimes makes us uncomfortable. Sure. But ultimately, we have no solace. We have no hope outside of the truth. No, not at all. Well, Father Sirico, I want to thank you just as a friend, but I know your time here is, it's one of those, my cup overfloweth oh, yes, uh, yes. weeks and days <laughs> and everything else. So I appreciate your time today in a very busy schedule, but both of us know sitting here the importance yes, of what you're saying, absolutely. of what Cardinal Pell lived mm -hmm. and wrote and is in this book. So folks, I'll put on my website exactly how and where you can get the book uh, in, you know, in Rome, in the U.S. and so forth. But uh, Father, thank you for doing this thank for all you. of us. It was a true labor of love. Thank you, Lord, and glad yeah. to more. Yeah, for more information on these stories or to check out Joan's blog and to ask her a question, Go to EWTN.com. That's EWTN.com. Thanks for listening to Vatican Insider on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.